Hello everybody and welcome to the GMS Magazine YouTube channel and podcast. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and this is the RPG Interview Room, the show in which I am lucky enough to get together with people from the world of role-playing games to discuss, well, role-playing games. As you can tell if you're watching the video, this is not my natural habitat. This is my home. And the reason for that is because we are in confinement because of the coronavirus, and I really hope that you are keeping at home as well and not going out because, well, you know, this is kind of serious. So please do take it seriously. Anyway, um, I have with me Steve Kenson. Steve has been somebody I've looked up to for a very, very long time because he's a very well-known author, uh, but above all, he's also a very militant activist for diversity in role-playing games, and that is something that's very, very dear to my heart. I wanted to talk to him about a topic that whenever it comes out in social media, it really is very controversial and very hot topic. I wanted to talk to him about how to write gay characters within role-playing games. And that is something that an awful lot of people have asked me about. Yes, a lot of people care about it. A lot. So who cares? Yes, a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people ask, well, you know, I want to do it, but I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to put a foot in it. So how do I do it? And I said, well, you know, I think I can give some advice on the matter, but very few people better than Steve to do it. So I wanted to have him on board and see what he had to say. And I think that you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, please remember to subscribe. Give us a review in iTunes if you're listening to the podcast and give us a thumbs up. And um, take a look at our Patreon. You may find something there that you will like. But and just, you know, have a drink, sit back and enjoy the interview. I think it's going to be very, very good. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show uh, once again after how many years, Steve? Oh, gosh. Um, like too I mean, many? Yeah, far too many, I yeah. should say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't recall, so definitely too many. Yeah, no, I, I, we, we, um, I had to do the show when, uh, before the second edition of Blue Rose came oh, out. Oh, okay. That's so, a few years, yeah. Yeah, I reckon 2012, 2013, perhaps. Thereabouts, like yeah. So way too long. So anyway, um, today, though, I have you here because I wanted to talk to you about um, writing LGBTQI characters into gaming fiction whatever mm -hmm. uh because a lot of straight people are really worried about doing it making a mistake and getting some some slack um but before we we go into it um just to kind of warm up a little bit um right uh, and also warning not just to you but the rest of the humanity my cat may make an appearance because he lives here and that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He may have a question or two as well. Fair enough. Right. Uh, I'm going to ask you five questions um, and, and see what you come up with. So, All right. Um, tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> well, that should be a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I am a, I am a very well-known uh, coffee aficionado amongst my friend, my friends, oh. family. So okay, so now we know what to get you for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, the mountain or the beach? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I sort of like both equally, uh, and for for different occasions, the beach is certainly more relaxing than the mountains. But I do like hiking a mountain. Okay. Uh, cars or motorbikes? Oh, cars. I don't think that uh, uh, motorcycles and I would, would do well together uh, <laughs> as far as that goes. Okay, fair enough. Okay, this one gets a little bit harder. Fantasy or science fiction? Ooh, that is harder. Um, yeah, again, that's... I like, I like them both equally well for different reasons. Um, so I... Yeah, that's hard to say. I, I don't know <laughs> if I could pick. Okay, both. Good, good. And last question. Uh, also, some people find this one very hard. Some people find this one very easy. Um, mm. Zombies or vampires? Oh, vampires. Okay. <laughs> vampires. Vampires. I mean, if if I have to choose between them, I mean, vampires are much more are are much sexier and more hygienic than zombies. Um, True. They have a lot more uses as well. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, they're more versatile. Okay, good. Right. So now that we know that you can answer questions and uh, you can answer them truthfully, um, let's let's start with um, with a topic that brings us together. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, I think it's safe to say that the world of role playing games is experiencing a widening of their perspective of both characters and genres and NPCs, mm -hmm. the type of adventures that we are seeing, and that is indeed creating a reaction from an awful lot of people who still feel uncomfortable about the mere existence of people like you and I. Mm -hmm. um, but also a lot of people who are coming to the realization that, you know what, yeah, this should be part of it. And this could add some richness to what I'm writing and they're very worried about doing it. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, as a gay person, how, how could people start when they want to include LGBT into their writing? What is a good starting point? Well, I think that, uh, you know, a good starting point is, is simply giving some thought to our default assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, as far as that goes, uh, I don't know if it's uh, apocryphal or not, but uh, supposedly um, Chris Claremont, the writer of the X-Men, had a, a sign, you know, by his desk that basically said, why can't it be a woman? Okay. Um, I didn't you know, know. That's amazing. To, to occasionally remind him when he was coming up with characters, you know, of, you know, why does it have to be the male default and you know similarly i think that when we're creating characters for our stories you know whether they are you know key characters or they're simply background characters you know taking just taking a moment to ask ourselves you know why you know what are our, what are my default assumptions about this character and why am i assuming those things um you know why why does the innkeeper have to be a man? Why does the innkeeper's partner have to be a woman? Why, you know, 
you know, any of those sorts of things, you know, any of the numerous characters that you're going to include uh, in your, your stories as far as that goes. Um, and I think that that's a reasonable place to start as far as that goes, is just, is just questioning our own assumptions. And I think that's important for all creators uh, because we all have our own sort of default uh, assumptions, you know, from our culture, from our background, from our own experience, uh, as far as that goes, and as well from just the the other media that we consume, that you know provides us with the examples that we're we're working from. Now, but that will echo a question that is also way too often heard in in the RPG circles, and is that why make them gay? What would be the point? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, why make them straight? What's the point of that? Uh, you know, why make a character anything, you know, as far as that goes? The, the notion that the characters have any kind of personal traits, whether it be their, their heritage or their, their gender or their ethnicity or their mm. sexuality or any of those various things, are just to give those characters verisimilitude, to give them depth and to give them the appearance that they're real people mm -hmm. in this story. So, you know, making a character, uh, determining if the character is, is queer or if the character is uh, of a particular gender or anything about them is simply, you know, adding a facet to who they are uh, in the context of that story. Um, you know, it's, it's a common it's a common notion that inclusion needs some kind of justification yes. uh, as far as that goes of, you know, well, if this character is gay or if this character is a woman or if this character is black, what plot purpose does that serve? Um, as if, you know, as if, you know, they're, as if those qualities of a person need to have some kind of justification mm -hmm. uh, when in fact they're just who people are uh, and if they don't need any more justification in the terms of the plot than a character's maleness or whiteness or straightness or any of their other qualities that we just take for granted because they're the most common kinds of characters we see. In terms of deciding, you know, um, you're asking people why do they need to be a woman why why can't they be you know are gay characters um one of the things though that people have to face and you were very much hitting the nail on the head with that is their very own preconceptions of what being gay or lesbian mm -hmm. or trans actually is sure and i can imagine obviously I, I don't know this because i'm not straight so i i have no idea what it must be like to face the discomfort of challenging one's preconceptions of what homosexuality is because mm -hmm. it's been ingrained how can people go about that i mean what would be the tools that straight people could use to face that discomfort about discovering that there is no particular reason for us to exist we, we just do um, well, I, you know, I guess I would start with, you know, widen your circle of friends. Um, if, <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't know any, you know, uh, any LGBTQ people, 
you know, in your life, you know, try and, you know, meet more people, but <laughs> get out more. I, but speaking as a, you know, as a, as a writer who works at home, I understand that widening your social circle is, is not always easy. Um, you know, I have plenty of times where I have to ask myself whether I've left the house on any given day. Um, you know, but some of it is also the, the, the media that we consume, uh, you know, look for, um, look for media that is representative uh, look for um, the read the stories of of queer people. Uh, there are plenty of biographies. There are plenty of you know stories about what it's like to grow up uh, gay or bisexual or transgender. Um, there are plenty of stories about what coming out is like. There are plenty of stories about what dating is like. Uh, you know, um, you know, read more. Uh, you know about people who are not like you, um, and find out what their what their lives are like, uh, as far as that goes. And you know, I mean, that touches upon uh, another thing in terms of doing your your research, is that while it's important for us to to question our assumptions and to look for opportunities to to include diverse characters in a variety of roles. It's also important to not assume that those characteristics make those characters interchangeable uh, in a lot of ways. You know, it's also going a step further than that. Uh, the next step beyond inclusion is, is saying, how, does, how do these qualities of the character inform who they are in this setting? Because if the police detective that the characters encounter is a woman, you know, she's not an absolute equivalent to a male character in that instance. She has no doubt had very different experiences as, uh, you know, a professional police officer who's a woman. If she's a police officer who's also a lesbian, then she's probably had different experiences, you know, both in her, her earlier life and in her professional career. And, you know, that should reflect, you know, in terms of who the character is. Uh, and obviously how much of how much depth you get into depends on how important the character is to the plot overall and you know whether or not this is just a a background character uh, but it's it's important to to look at uh, how characters identities inform who they are let's assume that I I want to write a gay character into my game. And let's face it, there's an awful lot of people in, in rural areas that have it very difficult to access real life in, information. What would be the first thing that you would say, if, if you're going to do this, avoid this? What, what would this be? I think that it would be drawing a huge arrow towards the fact that the character is gay. Okay. Um, I don't think, unless, again, unless it's especially germane, um, and this is the area where you do get, you get talk about the relevancy of, of the plot, mm -hmm. um, unless their identity is, is, is hugely, you know, a key thing, um, I don't think it needs highlighting 
you know, I think that it, it, like any other characteristic, when you're describing this character, you know, it should be treated like any other thing uh, that you're describing. It doesn't need to be, uh, you know, written in, in great, you know, big letters to draw attention to it. At the same time, you don't have to be coy and, uh, you know, try and find clever ways to imply it without just outright saying so, okay. um, you know, as far as that goes. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's, it's sometimes, and especially if, if it's somebody who feels that this is a, a huge thing, um, sometimes there's a, a tendency to treat it, treat it as bigger than it is in the, in the context um, that it's appearing. Would you say that how how to phrase what I'm what I'm trying to figure out? Um, would you say that trying to tick a box mm -hmm. in terms of describing the character and um, just mentioning the fact that they are not straight? Because we tend to assume heteronormativity. You know, mm -hmm. if we don't say that this character has a husband instead of a wife, we're going to assume that their relationships are going to be heterosexual. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's just how we are geared as, sure. as human beings. So how, how important is it to actually tick the box to make sure that, you know, uh, we don't get a Dumbledore effect, basically? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important to say it, you know. I mean, I think that, it, you know, you do run into that, you know, sort of uh, default assumption uh, quality. You know, there's, there's this, you know, sort of, of Schrodinger's cat effect you know that if if something isn't stated people just sort of fill in details with their own assumptions um so it's if if a character has you know, a quality that you want you know you want to make sure people know they have then make sure they know they have it um i don't think it has to be any more complicated than simply saying it um i did uh, an adventure recently um for uh for torg um and uh the uh, main um non-player character uh, that the the characters interact with in the adventure is a trans woman um and uh i simply say when i'm describing her that she's a trans woman mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's all there is to it uh as far as that goes and I'm, I'm sure that some of that uh, informs the fact that she's also uh, a rebel and an underground fighter and a member of the resistance uh, in uh, the cyber papacy, which is where the adventure takes place. But I don't dwell on all of that. Uh, it's, you know, because it's a short, a very short adventure that's basically just a couple of scenes. Um, but I wanted to make it clear that the woman that the characters meet is a trans woman uh, and not a cisgendered woman. Uh, so it was just important to point it out as far as that goes. Uh, whether the characters ever even find out in the adventure is entirely up to how the game master runs it um, because they may not know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it's important to me, it was important to me that the game master know it okay. uh, and, and be able to run that adventure accordingly. Uh, do you think that that will influence uh, in some way the the way that people run the, the people up, um, that that adventure because uh, whether we like it or not 
that is something that people could use mm -hmm. uh, in game somehow. Um, you sure. Know, Sure. I, I'm, I like to hope that it will influence how the adventures run uh, and that it will at least cause the, the game master to, to consider some things about this character, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as what that means. Uh, obviously, you know, I can't control that, you know, as with anything we put out there, you know, in game content. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that it's... It, I think it introduces an opportunity that would not necessarily have otherwise been there. Um, and it, it provides a chance to say to the game master, hey, here's this idea. Well, also I think it provides a grounds for how the world is run. You know, I remember mm -hmm. um, a few years ago, we were playing Seventh Sea, and uh, we were in, I don't remember what city, and there was a cardinal of this, uh, the religion, you know, the Christian-like kind of religion in there. Yep. And I had no idea what the world was like. It was the first time I was playing Sensi. Mm -hmm. and, and I said to the guy, um, well, because I'm a woman, you know, I was playing a female character, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to try to flirt with him. Mm -hmm. and, and the GM said, well, okay, you, you try, but he's married to another man so you know mm -hmm. he's his husband and the thing is immediately that said to me oh okay so this is not a homophobic world mm -hmm. right away and suddenly the whole perception of these sort of renaissance middle ages kind of world disappeared yeah, yeah. completely just by saying this guy's married to another man is quite a shift right mm -hmm. away it's, it has quite an impact in how it plays. Absolutely. So, so um, considering that, how do you think it's a good way to to tell people, you know, let's bring this into this universe, even if it feels because that's something that, especially with the trans community, there's been enough of the background backlash when when people mm -hmm. have tried to add trans characters. How is a good way to say, no, you know, don't overthink it, just mm -hmm. accept it? I think that depends very heavily on the game's context. Um, you know, uh, because, because queer content and queer characters exist in relationship to a culture and to a, a setting, as far as that goes, um, how they're included depends very heavily on the the context. Um, you know, Torg, for example, you know, it exists in a, a very alternate Earth, uh, but you know, its its essential foundation is an Earth much like ours. Um, so you know, we can draw upon. We have the advantage of shorthanding all of the elements of our culture you know, in that setting. Um, and we can just take for granted a lot of the things that we already know in the same way that a, uh, like a modern day action adventure game or a modern day comic book superhero game can, can simply say, well, it's basically like our world, but, um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we can shorthand all of the things that everybody already knows. We don't have to explain what airplanes are, uh, as far as that goes, for example. Um, and likewise, we don't have to explain our own history and culture necessarily. Um, 
in a more either historical or fantasy context, uh, it starts to get into, well, what is the culture of that world like? And how does that culture see things like gender and sexuality? Uh, and that's where you're, you, you face the challenge as a creator of, of both building something that's relatable um, and that is, is not too difficult, to, not too alien uh, as far as that goes, um, but also at the same time providing enough information so that players uh, know what, what, the, what the world is like. Um, you know, talking about Seventh Sea as an example, you know, Seventh Sea relies on a lot of um, sort of stereotypes about Renaissance history. Um, you know, Seventh Sea takes basically, you know, sort of cherry picks elements of European history mm -hmm. for uh, over a span of hundreds of years uh, and says, let's put all of, let's put all of the interesting bits together at the same time, you know, in spite of the fact that they, they are no way historically adjacent. No, I'll cry here until no. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, and then, you know, goes, you know, a step further and messes with things like saying, well, there is, you know, no, there's no homophobia in the mm -hmm. setting, you know, which is curious because there are still fairly traditional gender roles in the setting uh, and there's not a lot of discussion about how those two things interact mm -hmm. as far as that goes um, you know I mean women still wear you know elaborate gowns uh, and uh, you know the um, courtesan class you know is largely female yes you know but at the same time, there's there's still this sort of gender parity, you know, um, but there's also noble families with primogeniture and presumably, you know, arranged political marriages and, you know, a whole system of inheritance that's based on heteronormativity, at least we assume. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's it's it starts to get a very tangled web when you start pulling at those threads uh you know in terms of uh inclusion especially when it comes to issues of gender and orientation um and you have to really think about that in the larger context uh, of the setting and also because it's very easy even without realizing when you're trying to do those things uh, to actually punch down which mm -hmm. is a mistake that an awful lot of time happens when when people, straight people, write LGBT characters or even LGBT issues. You know, we, we have the, the fairly recent example of White Wolf with the Chechnya massacre and, and how mm -hmm. I know that they wanted to just bring the awareness and this, but it was just a really, really badly judged mm -hmm. uh, punch down. So how can that be? Avoided. What what signs that can tell this is not going in the direction it should? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of it is you know about um, in, inclusion, taking inclusion to also be a, a measure of empowerment. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's there. There's especially a tendency uh, in um, queer inclusion. 
towards uh, what a lot of people refer to as tragedy porn, um, you know, uh, of the notion that the, the focus on queer characters is entirely about how their lives are such a terrible struggle um, that they face all of these uh, uh, terrible prejudices, that they've suffered tremendous abuse, uh, and you know, just on and on, basically, about how, how terrible their lives are. Um, and while that's, an, while that's an aspect of the queer struggle that we don't want to necessarily plaster over, uh, at the same time, it's important to show queer characters as people, first and foremost, who have been bad parts of their, their lives. Um, and if you're going to include those kinds of, those elements of, of struggle, of showing characters who have successfully come through that, or have overcome that, or have moved past that uh, in some way, um, to, to simply portray queer characters as nothing but victims mm -hmm. um, is, you know, isn't inclusion in the, in the sense of empowerment. It's inclusion in the sense that it says, you know, and you have to think about it from the perspective of a, of a queer reader. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it says, yes, you exist in this world, but your life is awful and it will never get better. Uh, you know, and that's not a message I think no. that you really want to send. No, actually, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with a historian um, who wrote a game called Aquelarre, which has been published in, in English not long ago. Mm. And it's meant to be a very historically accurate um, setting uh, based in, in medieval Spain. And I, I had an argument with him on, on Facebook because he went on to say, well, you want to play a gay character in Aquelarre and your mm. life is going to be a misery. And, and I kind of shut him up um, when I said to him, you know, uh, gay people, lesbian people, trans people, queer people existed in those mm -hmm. times and their lives also, yeah, they might have been awful, but they survived. So why don't you concentrate on the fact that they went through, that they survived, that they developed this mm -hmm. resilience, this strength to go on and on and on, rather than concentrating on the fact that they were just being beaten constantly by everything around them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think that was a bit of a realization for him that, you know, probably had, yeah, these people survived. Mm -hmm. they, they just they didn't just suffer they, mm -hmm. they survived right right and um, historical yeah, right. accuracy is also often not <laughs> oh uh, I, I could I, we could make a whole podcast just on on that because the, right. this notion that people have of kings and queens living in castles and everything being so peasantly and it's like oh Quit the bullshit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. high school history is not history. They're stories. It's, oh, <laughs> it's horrific. Absolutely yeah. horrific. Okay. Um, let, let's, um, let's start winding down because we've been going at it for a while and I, I can imagine people are going to have an awful lot of information to, to digest and, and think mm. about. But let, let's go into a top three tips on how to go about either writing characters, uh, gay characters, or mistakes to avoid mm -hmm. when when writing characters what would be the number three thing to either do or not do well 
I think the the major important things uh, to take into account um, when you're looking to include uh, queer characters in your work, um, first and foremost, is simply um, questioning your assumptions. You know, it's it's you know first and foremost is include them. Um, you know, uh, actually do it. Um, you know, inclusion that you just think about doing doesn't get you know anybody any benefits. Um, so it is as scary as it can be sometimes, I really encourage authors to expand their horizons and challenge their assumptions and just go ahead and include some diverse characters uh, in their work. Um, uh, second is uh, do, do some research, um, talk to queer people, you know, uh, the first and foremost, um, but also, you know, read our, read our stories, uh, read our work, read our history, uh, find out, you know, what it, what life is like for us, you know, what, you know, uh, queer perspectives sound like, um, what, uh, you know, consume media that does a good job of portraying queer characters. Um, and uh, if you have the means, uh, I, I encourage, you know, creators, if uh, they run, if they have questions, if they have challenges to, to work with a sensitivity reader, um, to take a look at their work and say, hey, I wrote this scene or this bit or this thing that involves a queer character. Would you take a look at it and tell me what you think of it? Um, and, you know, listen honestly to the feedback uh, that you get about that. Um, and especially if you are a professional um, writer, designer, creator, publisher, be prepared to pay people for their time um, if you're going to ask them to, you know, spend it professionally evaluating your work. Um, you know, I mean, by all means, ask your friends, but, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to work with a sensitivity reader or any professional, be prepared to pay them. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. I mean, that's a problem, often enough. Right, last thing is something I wanted to ask you before, and I just completely forgot. Um, it's, it's a scenario that um, somebody asked me, because they, they really mm -hmm. said, well, how? Um, let's imagine that somebody writes some, some character and they make some mistakes, and they do get some very harsh criticism. And, and we know that people can get really, especially on social networks, it can be an absolute barrage of very, very harsh criticism, sometimes more just than others. Yeah. What would be the right response to that? How can people cope and deal with that kind of reaction to get out of it as unscathed as possible? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is a willingness to listen to criticism, um, and I think that that can be very challenging, uh, especially in um, niche hobby fields or niche fields of publishing or ones that have very actively engaged fan bases, um, because uh, there there really is a very distinct difference between criticism and uh, somebody who just vocally doesn't like something, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I understand that a lot of people can be very harsh 
um, and often, frankly, step over a line when it comes to offering, you know, criticism. Um, but I think that it's important as a creative uh, to listen to valid criticism of your work um, and to be willing to hear uh, feedback, especially if it's from uh, someone who is part of a, a marginalized group uh, and they have, they have a critique about how you have portrayed their identity in your work, I think it's important to say, okay, I would like to hear what you have to say. Um, and, um, you know, really, uh, it, you know, as challenging, as difficult as that is, um, it's important to say, I will hear what you have to say. I, would, I welcome your feedback and to basically follow the maxim of, you know, I did the very best that I could when I did this and I'm going to learn to do better the next time I do it. And I hopefully I'm gonna keep learning to do better each time I do it. Um, and uh, that things can improve, you know. I, my own example um, was that when I did the uh, development on the first edition of Blue Rose. Um, we included an element in there uh, that was uh, that could be read as very anti-trans, um, and uh, that uh, basically suggested that the the notion of um, uh, using uh, Arcana to to transform the 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 natural state of the body in some way was in some fashion unnatural or corrupt. Um, and it was primarily intended as a, as a game balance notion. Um, but in the context of what was, what was meant to be a very queer friendly setting, um, a number of trans readers found that to be very anti-trans. Uh, and, um, and I heard about it um, and uh, I, you know, considered it from the, the feedback that we got and they were absolutely correct. Uh, and it was simply a, a perspective that I, as a, as a cis man, didn't have. Um, and so when it came around to uh, doing the second edition of uh, Blue Rose, I made sure to hire a trans author um, to write about trans characters and their experience in the setting um, so that we would have a, a, the proper perspective on it. Uh, as far as that went. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's one of those, those instances, although it was unintended, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was, it was a bad take and it, it needed to be improved. Uh, and that happens. And it can happen, I think, to anyone. I think one thing that's pretty important is when, when you get in the criticism is look beyond the tone, mm -hmm. look at the message not don't don't keep just the tone because the tone can be off-putting but what the person sure. is saying is what truly matters and that's that's sure. really, really important right okay we've been at it for 36 minutes now so <laughs> we can we can wind down now and uh, hopefully we can we can get back to this topic at some point because i bet that this is going to have uh, an awful lot of feedback and comments mm. from an awful lot of people but um before you go i have um three more questions for you um First question is, what's 
What's the best advice that no one has ever given you? That no one has ever given me? Yeah. Um, gosh. Um, best advice no one's ever given me? Hmm. Um, well, that's tough. <laughs> Um, I guess that I uh, wish that um, I had been advised to uh, be uh, more proactive in in sort of promoting my own uh, work uh, back in the day. Um, I I I'm still to this day not very good at, at self-promotion uh, and it's it's a challenge when you're uh, when you're a creative and when you're a especially when you're a freelancer um, you know you you have to, to be able to sell yourself uh, to a, to a certain degree um, and uh, it's one of those things that I, I wish someone had uh, advised me on on how to be better at um, when I was I was getting when I was starting out okay that's a very good advice to give to yourself. Well done. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, second question. Um, what's the best mistake that you would like to make again? Oh, the best mistake I'd like to make again. Um, hmm. I guess if I was thinking about it as a mistake, um, just, um, you know, the, I guess the, ultimately the, the best mistake I'd still make again was, um, quitting my corporate day job to, to work uh, in the game industry. You know, um, my, my timing on it was, was not very good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it, it resulted in a, a very difficult year that followed. Um, you know, I basically did the, you know, they say, don't quit your day job. And I did. Um, but at the same time, I have to say that, you know, if, if I had it to do it over again, I'd still do it because I think I'm not sure there is a really good time, um, to, to make that transition. Uh, so, um, you know, ultimately I'm glad I did it and I would gladly do it again. Okay, good. Um, last question. Um, imagine that you have a time machine. And, um, you know, you go back in time, what else to do, and you meet your 10-year-old self, and you tell you your 10-year-old self, do not do this. What is this? Uh, don't wait so long to come out. Okay. Um, if I could, I, I thought, oh my gosh, if I could talk to my 10-year-old self, um, the things I would have to tell him. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's such a, you know, it's such a difference, you know, I mean, I knew I was, I knew I was queer a lot, even before I was 10. Um, but I definitely knew by the time I was 10. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I would definitely tell my, try and explain to my, as best I could to my 10 year old self that it was going to be okay. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that you, you won't have to wait, you don't have to wait as long as you think, you do, um, even, you know, even back then, you know, uh, you know, and again, it's one of those things that, 
everybody comes out in their own time and when they're ready and there's no knowing when that's going to be but at the same time i i would have tried to explain to to 10 year old me uh who didn't think there was you know much of a future you know uh just what that future was like because i couldn't even have imagined it then that's an awesome story steve thank you my so, pleasure so much i uh, hope we can do this again hopefully it won't be another seven years uh, we, <laughs> i hope not <laughs> no, we'll do it we'll do it again very very often because um, i'm sure you're going to be producing some absolutely fantastic stuff in the very near future so i'm, I'm looking forward to that and we haven't spoken to you as, a, as an author and what you're doing because it wasn't what this podcast was all about but we will do it in the next one for sure and hopefully Sounds it will good. be very soon thank you thank you and that's it I think it's quite important, you know, the main point that Steve made about asking LGBT people, don't just go out there on a limb and do it, just ask around, get a sensitivity editor, because I think you have an awful lot to gain from trying. You have absolutely nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose by having a go at it. And by taking some very few steps, you can make sure that, uh, you know, everybody is going to be happier with your work and hopefully your work also be better for it. So I hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, please do leave me your comments. It would be great to hear what you have to say. And I genuinely look forward to hearing what, what you have to say and talking to you. Um, once again, please do remember to subscribe to the channel. It means an awful lot as it does every single like that we get. Uh, leave us a review in iTunes if you're listening to the podcast. And uh, please do chip in in our Patreon and give us a hand. But until the next time, thank you once again for being there and I will talk to you very, very soon. Take care.